Um, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And I've been, uh, I've been so excited all week to be able to come and share uh, this message with you. Because I truly believe this is a gift this Christmas for you. A gift that will last all through the year. And I hope just for off into eternity. A gift that, that Jesus is giving us, especially today. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge blessing to you. So my prayer is that you can receive this gift that Jesus offers, um, that offer, he offers us right now. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John has taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, now be careful, don't say it with me because you're going to get it wrong. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. The Lord's Prayer little shorter than normal, right? In this Luke version. So if you've been following with us, we've been in the, in the, look of, the book of Luke for a while. We're here in the 11th chapter. Uh, we'll take a break for the next kind of season uh, in, the, in the month of January. Uh, then we'll resume again in the book of Luke. And so if you've been with us, chapter 10 uh, was a chapter in which begins with a really good question. A lawyer says to Jesus, he says, now tell me, what is this all about? <laughs> what is the, the whole of Scripture? Can you, can you give it to me? What am I supposed to do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question for all of us, right? How do I get on the right path? How, do I, how am I made right with God? And Jesus then turns the question back to him and asks him, so what, what do you think the answer is basically? And he says, the, the law is like this, that you can be boiled down in these two things, so love your God with all of your heart, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, well, you, you know, you've got it already. Good job. But then Jesus asks him another question, pushes him a, a little bit further. The, the, sorry, the, the lawyer presses Jesus a little further to justify himself and says, well, who's my neighbor? And we, we talked about that for a while because Jesus' response is uh, pretty outstanding and in many ways outlandish where he gives, makes this hero of a Samaritan and he totally blows up this idea of what it is to be a neighbor. The, the neighbor is the one who sees needs and then responds. No matter who the person is or no matter what the needs are, the discomfort, the, the challenges that, of caring, that's who you're called to be. You're to be like this Samaritan. Blew a lot of people's minds. Today still blows our minds. And so Jesus starts by spending the bulk of chapter 10 talking about this good Samaritan and what it means to love another person, right? And, and it, it is, is a challenging request because if you really love, like Jesus calls us to love, it is going to wear you out. <laughs> it is going to, it's going to push you to the last nerve, right? If Jesus really wants us to love like this, it, it's an overwhelming thing. And then he, the next story, as Luke is putting this narrative together, the next story is Jesus visiting with Mary and Martha. And Martha is 
much like the Good Samaritan. She's like working really hard and she's, she's scurrying about and she's so upset though that Mary has chosen to sit, her sister sit at the feet of Jesus when there's so much Good Samaritan kind of stuff to do. And then Jesus turns it all on his head and said, well, Martha, you should be more like Mary. It's a lot, isn't it? That, that the good thing is being at the feet of Jesus. So then we end chapter 10 with sitting at the feet of Jesus, but, you know, Jesus, we don't see him anymore. And where is Jesus? How do we sit right now at the feet of Jesus? So Luke, and he's telling the story, 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, he now says, this is what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus. He brings up to this story. He says, now the disciples say, teach us how to pray. And really what he's saying is, how do we sit at the feet of Jesus? And Jesus then gives this, gives what we call the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. And as I read it, you notice like there's parts missing in the Luke version, isn't it? Why is that? I don't, I don't know exactly what's happened. I don't know whether this is, and I think this is probably the case, there are two different accounts. Jesus is, is being asked this by different disciples at different times. I don't, I don't know. But what we know is that, you know, the, the, the skeleton of what is being said is here. And I think it's actually helpful to know, like, there's more to this prayer than just these words. Did you hear me? There, there's more to this prayer than just these words. We can see just in the other account, there's, there's more to these thoughts than the, the skinny that's right here. And so when we pray, our prayer is to consider these things, but to realize that's not all of the prayer. This is, these are high points. These are the, the cliff notes to our prayers. This prayer is a gift to us. This prayer is a gift to us because here's the good news. God is listening. This prayer is an instrumental part of fulfilling the great commandment, love God, love others. Now, you would expect like to really have our ears and especially the ears of the disciples, what are they hearing when Jesus says these things? Are these, is this kind of a normal prayer? And if you were to dissect it and, and take, look from especially the book of Psalms, you can see like there are, there are bits and pieces of this prayer throughout scripture. So there's, there's this idea of, of comfort and care and, and, and watching over. You can think of Psalm 23. There's, there's even references, just a few, to God as Father. And this idea that God is Father, the first line there, Father, hallowed be your name. This is not, this is not an unusual kind of expression, not just among Jews, but among any other religion, that they would call out to their God as Father. But what is unusual about this is that when, when, they, when people are calling out to God as Father, they're calling him out as Father in this kind of sense, like, he is the creator. He is the father. He is the progenitor of all of creation. And so this didn't find itself into Jewish prayers very often because the, the secular, I mean, the, the, uh, the pagan prayers 
the, 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 the polytheists, the ones who believed in, in these gods, would see him as a different kind of God. And they would understand him in his creation of mankind. And he's that kind of father. But, but Jesus is, is talking about God the Father in a little bit different sense here. In a sense that maybe is more familiar with us. Because we've been around these Christian circles. He says, when he calls him Father, it is a familial kind of father. It's not just the creator, but he is our dad. How do we know that? Because the second half, what follows in, in verse 5 and going, uh, going beyond that, is this description of his fatherly kindness, of his familial relationship, his care and his provision. So on Christmas morning, how many of you, who in here only got coal? You only got coal? Are you serious? Justin, what is, John, that doesn't surprise me, but is that really true? Okay. So no one just got coal. Now, some of you may have been pranked a little bit, and maybe you deserved just coal. But you didn't just get coal. In the second half of this, the, the description uh, on 11 going forward is about this father. A father, if his son asks him for bread, he's not going to give him a serpent. Serpent. Even if he's a bad father, like, you don't do that, right? Like, that's CPS to call out. You can't do that kind of stuff, right? And the point is that if God the Father hears the prayers of his people, will he not respond? Now, now as we gave gifts to our children this year, and we just don't want to see the credit card bill next month, amen, or, or we didn't give them all that we wanted, the difference is we have a God who owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills, right? I mean, he is able, and he is far more willing than we are. The good news today is that our Father is listening. Our Father is listening. He also tells, Jesus tells this story, and it's kind of like this. If, if this is the modern day version of it. So if someone... If your friend knocks on your door, if Brad Beavers knocks on your door at 11.30 at night, and you go to the door and you see Brad, and you say, what are you doing, Brad? My car broke down. I'm two blocks away. Would you say to Brad, it's late, man. My kids are in bed. I'll, I'll see you in the morning. Would anybody do that to poor Brad? Raise your hand if you would, please. We just, just so Brad, so you know, you know, who's not to knock. No, of course. Even though it's who wants to get out of their house at 11:30 at night in the cold or whatever, like you couldn't come back to church. Stories would be formed about you, right? It, yet we have a heavenly Father. And we can go to him, and he is listening. If we who are not always good, right, can behave like this, how much more does our God care about us? 
our Father care about us and is listening. Brothers and sisters, God is listening for your prayers. This this prayer is so beautiful because on the one hand, he says, Father, and the very next thing he says, a, a sense of relationship. The next thing he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. This relationship and reverence. You know, what can happen too is that as we are so close, that closeness sometimes can breed a sense of contempt. We have to recognize that he is our father, but he is also our creator, our king, and that he is glorious. So if you've been following along with our story, as we look at the first part of Luke, the last couple of weeks we've talked about Anna and Simeon. Do you remember? And what were they, what were they doing, Anna and Simeon? They were, they were praying, right? And, and Anna was praying and fasting for a purpose because they were, they were expecting the coming of the Messiah. They were expecting God's kingdom to come. And so here is Jesus who was at, you know, at the scene with Anna and Simeon. And he's still telling his disciples the kingdom is still coming. That we should look towards God the Father and, and say, Lord, your kingdom come. And all that that means, it is a kingdom come in this moment. Let your kingdom fill this place. Let your, your kingdom come in my heart, in my life, in my relationships. May your kingdom come in the church. May the kingdom come in Brenham. May, may the things that are broken find shalom because the kingdom is coming. But it's also the kingdom is going to come in his glory. The king is coming back to claim his own. The king is coming back to bring his people to him. The kingdom is coming back so that the, the, the glory of God would be manifest all times, 24 hours in our presence. That's good news, right? So he's saying, okay, when you are praying, remember the Father. Remember that he is good to you, but remember he is, he is glorious and good. But this is, this is not a short-term kind of thing that he's coming back for his people. So hang on and keep going. This is a powerful prayer, and we're just in the first line. <laughs> I, had, I had a sister sit across from me a while back, and she said, and, and man, I mean, her, her blood pressure, I mean, I could just see it, her blood pressure would just like, there were veins popping out everywhere. She was so upset. I said, sister, if you can, if you can just pray that first part of the verse, if you can get through that. You're going to be all right. Father, he's listening. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You know, as we pray that, there's a like, everything's going to be all right. This is just a sweet gift already. We're in verse one. Your kingdom come. It, it is also this impetus for us to be about the kingdom coming. Lord, where is my place in that? The next, the next part of the, 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 the prayer is, give us each day our daily bread. And it's coupled with, and, it's this thought goes together in a kind of a strange way. Forgive us our sins, uh, for, we also, uh, for, for we ourselves forgive everyone 
who is indebted to us. And so on one hand, he says, what's the, what's the link here with give us this daily bread? And we would understand that as like, Lord, provide for my, my needs. That's a real common prayer for us, right? Help me with this. Help me with that. We couple that with this forgiveness of others as we've been forgiven. How are those things, why would those two things be put together? And I think the answer is because of this word daily. Give us each day our daily bread. And so this, the, our daily needs, our temporal needs are, are put together with this need for our own forgiveness and the forgiveness that we should give to each other. It's a, it's a daily kind of thing. I think that's, that's really important for us to understand that, that God, is, God is here and he is concerned about our daily needs, our physical needs, our temporal needs. And so we shouldn't hold back. You know, sometimes we have a certain pecking order of what we think we can bring to God. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's really concerned about this or would God be so concerned about this thing? And the answer is, your daddy's listening, right? He cares about those things. So we, we bring those uh, temporal things to him, those things that we are, we are in need of. But I think the key word is here is daily. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, a part of the reason is that have you noticed that maybe this is just me. Oftentimes the things that I put in my concern folder, you know, I'm concerned about my kid, I'm this kid here, I'm concerned about not paying my bills. I'm concerned about this, that, or what. You know, I have a concerns folder. Do I have a concerns folder? Oftentimes my, my thoughts and my concern folder never make it to my prayer folder. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, so I'm still, I still have all these concerns. And I feel like because I have those concerns and God knows all, that that's good enough. Like God already knows that, right? But that's not what he's telling us to do here. He's saying, I want you to take the things out of the concern folder and I want you to make them in the prayer folder and bring them to the Father. I want you to do that. That's just, this is what it means to be a disciple of Christ is that you take things out of the concern folder and you put it in the prayer folder. Those are two different folders. I'm just learning that. <laughs> you know, and, and then when, I, this, I'm telling on myself, people come up to me and say, you know, uh, you know, this is really, I'm, I've been struggling with this or I've had this hard time. And I know we've already talked about it. And I say, you know, I, I've been praying for you. No, I haven't been. I just had them in the concern folder. I've been lying to many of you and I'm sorry. I'm going to move you into the other folder. Or I'm going to say, I'm not going to be praying for you. <laughs> Folder's too big and I don't have time. I hope not. I hope. But th there's a reason why Jesus is telling us daily, bring all of these things to me, to the Father. You see, by praying about these things, it's actually the formula of faith in the Father. We, we, we put the, our concerns into this formula of faith in the Father. We put these concerns in the equation of eternity. You see how helpful that is? We say like the trouble that I'm, right, this concern I'm having now in the light of God's kingdom coming, how does that affect this concern? 
And oftentimes it obliterates the concern. Like, I don't have that concern anymore. And so by praying about it, it's actually the solution to the problem. I'm telling you, today I'm giving you a gift. Jesus is saying, here, I'm giving you disciples. This is how we live our lives. This is the abundant life that I'm promising you. Come to me. Come to the Father and share your needs. Put it in the, uh, the formula of faith from the Father, the equation of eternity. The, put it within the program of his promises and work it out. Put it in the, the crucible of Christ. So now as you're having troubles, we're having troubles during the week with, with our spouse or with our children or the guy next door, the people at work, and we have these, these concerns, these, these problems with other people, and it seems like we, we, we have this unforgiveness in our heart. Bring it in the crucible of Christ. Where we're confessing our sins and we realize, you know, these things don't last anymore when I put it to Christ. But Christ has forgiven me for so many things, for all of my sins. Don't I have space to forgive this person right now? Daily. Oh, if, if we could just put this into practice, amen? To keep our account short. To, to bring these things to him and say, you know what? I can barely talk to you right now, Lord, because I'm seeing red. I'm so frustrated at this person. They've hurt me so badly. They've disappointed me so badly. I can't, I'm having a hard time even talking to you, Jesus. Apparently, y'all never been there before, but I'm just telling you, confession time. Let you know what it's like in case you ever have this problem. And so... We go to him and we recount the fact that he has just forgiven. And then it keeps us in short accounts with him. What, you know, the problem that we have is that when we have a broken relationship because of sin and because of unforgiveness, then we can't have sweet fellowship anymore. Can you imagine if this was our daily prayer <laughs> and then we work through it? You see, it's short, but there's a lot in it, right? Like as we live these things out and pray through them and Keep short accounts with our, our Lord and keep short accounts with each other. It's good stuff. God is listening. God is listening. And, and fi finally, he ends up the prayer, uh, and this seems to go with the other two, right? Uh, it's part of this whole idea, this daily need, this lead us not into temptation. Um. If this was our prayer every day, Lord, lead me not in temptation. And, and so in your quiet, I'm not going to lead you. I'm not going to tell you my temptation. But it, as you spend time with your temptation, God uses that prayer, I believe, to keep you from temptation. Like even in that moment, say, Lord, keep me from temptation. The idea here is, though, that, Lord, don't let me... Don't let me go so far away. Lord, don't let me go through that again. I want to be holy. I want to be right. I don't want to fall away. I don't want to be apostate. I, I don't want to leave you. Lord, this is my prayer again. And by remembering this prayer, it encourages us again. Think about it again. Remember, I don't want to go down that road. And even God answers the prayer in that moment because he also provides a way out right in that moment. Like, then don't do this. Lord, lead me not in temptation. So the Lord says, okay, then. 
don't do this. Do this instead. And, and the, 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 the answer to the prayer is in the prayer itself. God is listening. Do you, do you not think that when God hears that prayer for us, he's, not, he, he's, he's excited? He's like, that's my child. That's what I want. Have you ever had your kid come and ask you for advice? That feels good, doesn't it? You're like, all right, well, if you'll just now do it, right? But that, that is a spiritual maturity. It's a maturity in your child to say, well, well, then tell me what's the right way to go. There's great love and affection that goes behind that kind of prayer. God is listening. I, I think there's a, a, a good question uh, Randy Wells had brought this up some, some time back when we were teaching in Kenya. You remember the, remember the, 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 the paralytic who was beside, um, beside the, the, the waters that were being stirred by the angels? And Jesus asked a question of him. He said, do you want to be well? <laughs> and you're like, everybody says, of course. I mean, he's, but that's not always the answer. Sometimes we like to wallow, right? We can't imagine life besides the way we are. This prayer unearths that, right? It says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be away from that temptation? By memorizing and engaging in this kind of prayer each day, we're saying, you know what? I don't want to be like that anymore. I need your help, Lord. I want to be well. That's powerful. We began by talking about Jesus' answer, really, to what does it mean to sit at the feet of Jesus, to sit at his feet. And he gives us this prayer. It reminds us of of James 4.8. It says, if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And today, this is the beautiful gift that we are given by our Savior. It says, ask these things from the Father. Bring these concerns, bring your troubles, bring your unforgiveness, bring your temptation, bring your joy, bring your need. Bring them to God because he is, the Father is listening. And he is happy to bless you. That's good news. That is our God. He is a gracious, glorious Father. I pray that that the Lord's Prayer, in all its simpleness and fullness, would be a gift that we carry around with all of us this year as we address our Father.